Tyson, top game management. Appreciate the time coming on the show. I know it's a it's a hectic hectic few weeks for you and you got a couple more weeks ahead of you for uh uh calvin cater's uh training camp but um yeah man thank you for coming on i appreciate you having me uh it's good to anything that any distraction is a good distraction right now so uh i hope you guys are doing good you and your family you know we're we're plugging away over here yeah yeah no you know as a father what what is the biggest concerns for you with with this pandemic going on so i Honestly, it hasn't been like so much about like, oh, keep the kids safe. It's more about like keep them occupied. You know, it's not, you know, the kids go stir crazy. We're not like leaving the house with them or anything. And um, so just trying to keep them entertained, not to keep the four-year-old from killing the two-year-old. And, you know, just try to, you know, really just keep them entertained and try to keep them on a, on a, on a routine because they don't understand what's going on. You know, we try to tell them, hey, calm down. The president's talking. They don't even know who the president is. So I, I, for them, you know, it's just trying to keep their schedule routine on point keep them happy you know and um you know just try to let them have fun try to be kids but you just have been done when they're inside all day and then you're starting to go crazy um yeah it's not so much of like a health concern right now because they're in the house they're not doing anything you know um but it'd be different if they were older and they were doing their own thing you know, it is, I feel bad for people who have older kids and like, you know, maybe they were off to college or living in another city, you know, you're just constantly worried about them. But, uh, you know, fortunately we're not in that position right now. Yeah, no doubt. Um, myself also, my kid has been in the, in the house for the past month and it's just, I don't even know what's going through their, her head. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's, it ends up being, uh, they go stir crazy. You just got to kind of, kind of deal with them, but you know, at least they're healthy. No one's showing any signs of being sick or anything like that. So you know, we're in a much better position than some people. Speaking of kids, you know, I, I saw on your stories, man, you've been updating everybody about getting the, the cord cut recently. And, you know, oh. my wife has tell, been telling me to do that for like the past year or two. And I'm just been delaying it and delaying it. Delaying. How, you know, tell us about that. How has that impacted your daily life? It, it's tough, man. You know, you get a vasectomy. Everybody tells you, oh, yeah, I've had friends that have like, oh, it's nothing. You can, it's awesome. They, they, have this utopian view of getting your uh getting fixed you know and i'm like yeah i'm just gonna be sitting on the couch for three or four days just icing and watching sports so you know ncaa tournament all this stuff it's you know then i get it and just the world ends there's no sports there's you know my kids are running around stomping on my nuts every day and it's just it has not been enjoyable and plus i haven't been able to stop you know like i had i had it on a, two weeks ago today i had it and then two days later, I had to be at Mohegan Sun, run around the casino, like probably not resting as much as I should be, but, you know, trying to ice in between. And so maybe that has something to do with it. And then, I don't know, I just keep getting like phantom pains. And then next thing you know, I'm trying to do this. And, you know, Calvin's in camp. I'm trying to like do as much as I can, but not get hurt. And I'm probably just a huge pussy, but it has not been enjoyable. So I would advise every guy I know, you're probably better off just being abstinent than getting this done. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got so much going on at one time. I'm pretty sure that kind of magnifies every other thing that you're doing. So, and, and then personal pain, you know, on top of it and mental pain too, right? Mental uh, scars you mentally probably a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just try to avoid that. If they have, yeah, don't, I would never recommend anybody to do it. Just, uh, just abstinence is key, I guess. <laughs> Mohegan Sun, Bellator 241, two of your guys were supposed to fight, Justin Sumter and Nate Andrews. They go there, they make weight, the event is canceled, I think around 6 
six hours before the show even was supposed to start. Yeah. The most nerve-wracking week, fight week ever for you? No, um, I would say probably the second. Like the first mm-hmm. one, I was um, remember back when uh, Shine was going to have an event in South Fayetteville, North Carolina, maybe it was. Rick Conn was supposed to fight on that car, and I was one of his teammates, so I was going out there to help him warm up and corner him. And um, like an hour before the first fight, they canceled the whole show because Don King still had uh, Mayorga under some sort of management contract or promotional contract. So he had a court come into session on a Saturday down in Florida, file an injunction to stop the guy from fighting. So when that like passed, there's, we're getting in the locker room getting taped up, and they canceled the whole show right there. So that that was probably like I mean the whole week you knew it could happen you know they're like oh this is court case Saturday might you know we should fight but that was probably the like the most stressful one that I had been part of up till up till now and I guess this one would be a close second because we never really thought it was going to get canceled you know we thought like you know Bellator and um, the Mohegan Sun Commission they were pretty confident we were going forward with the show they're like hey you know we might not do fans but. You know, that could happen. But as of right now, everything's normal. But, you know, maybe we won't let fans in. We'll, we'll see how it goes. And then all of a sudden, you know, I think it was like one fifteen on Friday. We were supposed to check in at 4.30. We got the call um, that the show was canceled. And I was like in the elevator with someone from Bellator. I'm like, hey, are you hearing that the show's canceled? Because some of the media started texting me to ask if I knew. And I asked him and he's like, oh, no, it's still on. And then someone, one of his colleagues called him. And he's like, no, it's definitely still on. This person says it is. And then, like, two minutes later, we found that it wasn't on. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's stressful. I think uh, there's probably something going on that we didn't know about. I, mm-hmm. I heard rumors afterwards that maybe one of the uh, staff at the venue had shown signs of being sick, so they didn't want to expose everybody to it. So I figured it was something like that, but you, you just never really know. Yeah, if there was somebody like that that did show signs, of course they have to cancel the whole event, you know, because I'm pretty sure at that moment – they could have probably did the show without the fans, but if you have yeah. an employee, you know, sick, come on, you gotta, you gotta shut the show down. Yeah, that's what I said. It. The day that it happened, I was like, "Well, it doesn't make sense. Why would they do that?" And I'm like, "There's clearly something going on that we don't know about, and they're erring on the side of caution, which is what they should be doing." Because I mean, how how mad would people have gotten after if they had let us fight, and then it came out that you know something like that had been going on, and they still let us fight anyway? Then we'd be talking crap. So I think they yeah. did the right thing, um, and. You know they paid the guys the show and the win money, so you know no one no one took a hit financially on any of it. So it was a win, obviously not a win-win because they didn't get to fight, but they made the best out of a really bad situation. Yeah, I'm pretty sure getting paid put a smile on a lot of people's faces, man. Especially they could have just postponed it, you know what I mean, and said, "Hey, we're gonna postpone it. We're not gonna pay you guys, but you guys are gonna fight in the future." That, is, that could be devastating for a lot of these guys because a lot of these guys are not getting paid that much to fight, right? And they probably invested a lot of money into their camps. Yeah, you go through a whole camp. I mean, both those guys get kids. They get bills to pay. You know, they get um, significant others they get, you know, help and take care of. And, you know, when you, you sacrifice a lot for those, you know, six, eight weeks, and then the payday doesn't come, whether it's a lot of money or a little money, it makes an impact on you financially. I mean, you're seeing right now what the economy is going through with people – now not working for one or two weeks and people seeing how big of an impact it has. Now, you know, these fighters, they, they get the same thing. It's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but when you work for two months for something and then don't get paid, it does have an impact on you. And a lot of times we don't have any recourse and there's really not much we can say about it. But fortunately this time Bellator, 
you know, they did the right thing and um, they really stepped up and showed, you know, show how to take care of the fighters. So we're, we're really happy about that. Now you move on, UFC 249, you got your guy, Calvin Cater, taking on Jeremy Stevens. Have you heard anything from the UFC? Of course, just like minutes ago, something was put up that uh, Dana White does have a location. He's not going to reveal the location, but it will be a closed-door event. I'm thinking it could be in Dagestan or Russia since Habib is already there. What do you think? I had heard, so we've heard nothing officially from the UFC, and I'm not bothering him either because... At the end of the day, there's probably so many people reaching out to the UFC wanting answers. And the reality is, like, I'm sure they're going to let us know once they know something firm. And, um, you know, so bothering them, I don't think it's going to really do that much. But we, we haven't heard had any correspondence from them giving us updates as to where we're going to be on the card. We hear these rumors that, oh, you know, either it's going to be the main event only, which I, I don't know if that's true, or the main card only or not the undercard. And or we're waiting till this meeting on the 25th at the Nevada State Athletic Commission, but I heard that's you know that just got canceled. So um, there's a lot of rumors going on out there, and it, it's easy to get wrapped up in it and start thinking and what if, what if, what if. But at the end of the day, like all we know right now is that on April 18th or on April 17th, Calvin has to weigh in at 146 or less, and needs to be in the best shape of his life to fight the hardest fight of his life. And uh, that's the only thing we can control. Whether it happens in Dagestan, Dubai. Um, Vegas, the Apex, wherever, Brooklyn, you know, regardless of where it happens, we have not been told we're not fighting, so we're still training as if. The training as if is the hard part because everything's getting shut down, all the gyms are getting shut down. Tomorrow, uh, Massachusetts are uh, doing – it's not a stay-at-home order. Like, you don't technically have to – actually, we don't really understand what the lockdown is because they're going to – non-essential employees are, are not supposed to work anymore. So we don't know. We're going to try to train in the morning and see if they kick us out, you know, see if the police come and make us leave. But um, so that would be another hurdle that we might have to uh, step over. But I mean, all, all we can control right now is Calvin making weight and being in shape. I, I mean, that's at the end of the day, all the rest is just rumors and white noise and something that we have no influence or control over. So, yeah, it must be the must have been the most unique training camp of your career and his career you started off as a regular training camp and then now you have had to make these adjustments like what are the adjustments what are you doing more now that you weren't doing before and you know what 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 can you not do well the the strength and conditioning gym that we use is uh they're closed right now and they can't have anybody in there so we've been doing strength and conditioning into some different places like last week we did it in my garage and i have a setup in there that unfortunately we can get by um you know, we were using the boxing gym quite a bit and doing a lot more things, uh, you know, stand up stuff. But now the boxing gym is closed and the state, the city won't let us get in there. So now it's really just a matter of like getting the essential people invo- involved, involved, uh, you know, the main training partners that we need to give certain looks and then a lot of drilling. So not much in terms of the what we're doing. It's just like how we're doing it and where we're doing it. And sometimes it's almost like kind of seems like we're like bush league because we're like you know it's an amateur over here training in garages and and you know brothers garages and stuff like that but at the end of the day like the work is the work it doesn't have to be a glamorous surroundings to uh make it better um but yeah it's been a little bit of struggle the mental struggle it's like every day we're like hey where are we training tomorrow you know so we're kind of you know tomorrow we have a plan of what we're going to do who knows the city or the state or the police could come in and say hey you can't do this and then we have to pivot and do something else. So the backup option has been my uh, – worst comes to worst, and they keep shutting down Mass, New Hampshire, is where I live. It's just north of uh, 
Massachusetts. It's, you know, I told Calvin he can just stay in our spare room and finish camp here and we'll train in my garage and we'll, you know, have another training partner stay here with us and we'll make sure we get to work in. So, um, where there's a will, there's a way, I guess you just, you know, we could either sit around and complain about why it's not working or we could put our heads together and figure out a way to make it work. Definitely. Definitely. Now, um, during this camp, you took a trip out to Bazooka Joe's in Toronto. I watched the film, you know, uh, Calvin got to work with Joe Valtellini. How was that experience? It was awesome, man. Anytime you go to new gyms, you know, especially, you know, taking my manager hat on, manager hat off and put my coach hat on. Like when you go to other gyms, like my concern is always going to be like, all right, are they going to try to hurt us? Or is it going to be safe training? Are they going to try to like, you know, put on this fake facade of what their gym really is to try to impress us or like prove that they're better than us. And then, you know, then he ends up getting hurt that way, but it couldn't have been anything further than, than that. It was, they welcomed us with open arms um got a lot of like training with joe like he was doing mitts with joe I, right when i got there joe starts talking to me about like, yeah so i was watching calvin's fights and i i've noticed this and then you know i showed him the game plan that we have for jeremy he read the whole thing and the next day he came in with some ideas and then the jiu-jitsu coach there was like hey i looked over your guys's game plan i think there's a couple of things that i think i could add so it was just really like it was overwhelming with kindness and and then in terms of like the um, the skill set they have up there for training partners, second to none. Like from the you know from a stand up standpoint, awesome dudes. A lot of them Calvin size, super safe, really smooth. Showed us a lot of stuff. Gave us really safe uh, safe training, and um, and then obviously Joe's just a, a quality dude and a quality coach. He was a great fighter, but he's a good coach too. And um, you know he seems to really have a passion for trying to coach MMA fighters, and I think he's. Uh, you know, he, he has a niche there. He's just hasn't quite uh, got the crop of guys in the UFC yet. But dude, we'll be going up there every camp, I'm sure. Once Rob's healthy, he's going to go up there with us. And, uh, you know, I think they his style and his, uh, you know, his mannerisms and his uh, his work ethic that he has, along with his skill set and his knowledge and um, his desire to get involved, I think is going to be a, a great fit for the cartel. And um, I think it'll be a, a really good partnership moving forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Joe is a he's a legend, man of of kickboxing. So anything he has, you know, especially where he could kind of fit in where he belongs. You know what I mean? Like some guys will come in and try to take over certain aspects, but it seems like he kind of. I, I saw the interview that he was just like, okay, I saw these these parts of what he needs to fix, and you know, I'm just gonna work on those aspects and and move on. You know what I mean? And that's that's good to have someone like that. Yeah, but we need him to like take it a notch down on the interviews. Mm-hmm. Because he's making me and Calvin look really bad like that. My camera guy was like, you know, Joe was so much easier to interview than you guys. He's so much better on the camera. And we're like, well, no crap. That's what he does for work. But, so we got to talk to Joe a little bit about making us look bad. Uh, like you you have a long roster, you know what I mean, of guys at top game. You talk to the fighters. You know, what is the effect on them with this coronavirus and the lockdown and stuff like that going on? Everybody's in the kind of the same position. Like nobody seems like super mad. I mean, no one can be mad. You know, we just had... I had five fighters scheduled to fight for CES on April 24th. Um, five of the six main cards were, were mine. Some of them were big fights, you know. They had two ex-UFC guys making their first fight post-UFC, you know, Andre and Andre uh, Sumtoth and Kyle Bokniak. And then I had Dennis Paiva fighting Arnett, who's uh, from the UFC. So that was a big fight there, too. And, you know, everybody had big fights, and they were, like, big fights that could open up doors for either getting back in the UFC or, you know, maybe getting a nod in the contender series type thing. Um no one was really that mad. You know, I think a lot of them kind of expected it. 
Um, but now it's, I think they're all going a little bit crazy just mm-hmm. because they're so used to training a lot. And now they're kind of like, the hell do I do? And now all of a sudden you see all these little challenges all over Instagram of, Oh, do a hundred pushups or do pick up your spouse and do some, you know, squats or something like that. I think they're just bored. You know, these people were made to, uh, to work out and, and learn and, and keep, you know, honing their skill set. And right now they don't really have the opportunity. So I think they're going a little stir crazy. I feel like this would be the perfect time to do film study on like, look at the top 15 and, and just watch film. You know I mean? Of course you got to get your workout in, but you could just mm-hmm. study guys all day, every day since you're stuck in the house. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of them, do, like a lot of the, uh, talented fighters especially some of my prospects like i know they watch a lot of videos because they're always sending me like little video clips they're like oh look at this fight or you'll see on their instagram stories they're like watching fight pass so they'll go through and watch all like demetrius johnson's fights and then start looking at things and you know then they'll start asking us questions oh i saw this the other day like what do you think of that and so i think a lot of them do that regularly anyway but i agree i mean it's not going to make you worse if you start uh you know benchmarking a little bit and see what the top guys are doing what they're good at and uh you can definitely learn from that all right, going back to the the Jeremy Stevens fight, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like this matchup is in many ways catered to each of the fighters. You know what I mean? The styles clash very well. It's almost like it's it's totally different from the Zabit fight. Do you do you feel that way? Yeah, I mean, from like a a coaching standpoint, mm-hmm. um, it's a much easier fight to prepare mm-hmm. for than the Zabit fight because Zabit can beat you so many different ways, and he's got like a uh, just a, f- a frame that you can't coach, you know, like he's long and he's gangly and, um, you know, he's got like some, some unique takedowns that people haven't seen before. You know, he's got that like outside trip that he does. And, you know, he's, uh, obviously unorthodox with all the spinning stuff. So he, there's just a lot of things that he can do that you have to prepare for. Whereas Jamie Stevens is like kids an OG. He always shows up, you know, he can fight technical if he wanted to, but that's just not his style. He wants to come and he wants to like knock you out. And, um, you know, he carries power into the third round. So that's really the thing that you're like preparing for. It's like, okay, like we need to make sure we avoid X, Y, and Z. And and if we want to do that, we have to do A, B, and C. And just having an idea of like how to play in the sandbox in areas that allow us to do damage without feeling that power, you know? And um, so I guess you could say it's a, easier fight to prepare for because he's he doesn't have as uh a wide range of uh weapons that you know come from nowhere you know he's kind of brings the same stuff most fights you kind of know what you're getting um but now it's our job to you know to stop it so um a little bit more straightforward but just as dangerous because that guy can put you out in minute 15 the same as he can put you out in minute one so that's a different element that you have to prepare for too is stressing like hey listen Here's the part of the sandbox that we can't put our toes in. The power is the X factor, but Calvin also has that that power too. So that's why I'm excited for this matchup, man. It's like two guys uh, with different styles of striking, but have that X factor of the power and just clipping each other and making it a hard, uh, gritty fight. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Actually, probably the second best fight on that card. You know, of course, you got that title fight, you know, the lightweight title yeah. going on hand. So it's it's fun, man. Um, Now, I see that uh, Rob Font, you mentioned him earlier. You know, you said that he, is he recovering from something? Is that what's going on with him? Yeah, so he just announced it. Uh, I wasn't saying anything just because it's not my place, but he had just mm-hmm. talked about it in an interview. Was, uh, he tore his ACL in the Ricky Simone fight. Uh, I think it was in the second round. Mm-hmm. He got taken down and he had um, uh, he had like a 
like a figure four like like on his knee and rob kind of twisted a weird way and then he hipped in ricky did and it uh tore rob's acl so it ruptured that and rob got back up and he slipped a couple times in the in the second and then again in the third um you know just because the knee didn't really have much support and then for a couple of days you know we thought something was wrong after the fight we we're like okay this is bad but then he was like starting to feel better so we're like oh maybe we're good and then um he went and got it looked at by uh, our orthopedic surgeon that we work with and the guy was like dude this is not good you know so we had to go in for surgery like probably a few weeks later we went in and um we sent him out to the pi for three weeks to do some uh, rehab and they're really happy with where he's at um the, the surgeon has looked at him since and he's really happy with where he's at so now it's just a matter of like staying part of the course listening to the uh physical therapist and the doctors and you know the pi t- the pi staff there with heather and her team and just keep doing all the exercises and strengthening everything around it and and being patient with it um so you know, hopefully, if if all the stars aligned, you you know you'd see him in a in a fight in the end of 2020, um, which would be awesome. You know, because he just had that year off where he was healthy the whole year. Now he's you know got a great win, and now he's going to sit out another year. So you know, it's it's a crazy part of the sport, man. It's, but um, you know, fortunately, he's in good spirits. He's focusing a lot on helping Calvin right now, and he's got some other fighters that he coaches. So you know, he's still an integral part of. Uh, Calvin's team so he's uh, he's motivated to just keep his recovery going and then help Calvin get some wins yeah he's sitting at number 10 in the Bantamweight division you know right now a lot of guys are matched up in the top 10 it, it almost gives him enough time to kind of shake out the division and see who who's left over you know what I mean and and give him some fresh matchups uh who do you see like at the end of the year when he comes back does does Jimmy Rivera kind of seem you know uh, make sense for him a little bit I feel like we have like a like Jimmy's actually a pretty nice guy. I've talked to him in person. We've shared some locker rooms with him, and I have nothing ill to say about him. But like, I feel like we have this like negativity towards Jimmy Rivera just because we just sat out, a, you know, four or five months longer than we really needed to because we had that Lineker problem happen, and then they were offering us Jimmy Rivera, and then it just kept like pushing and pushing and pushing, and then Jimmy Rivera didn't happen, and it was kind of—it was almost like it felt like we were in the spot of waiting so long for a fight because the Jimmy Rivera thing didn't, you know, work itself out, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I know that's a fight that we'd want just because out of frustration, mm-hmm. but um, we'll see. I know he just pulled. Didn't he just pull out of a fight that he was supposed to fight recently? I think it was, was going to be against Cheeto. Yeah, so, yeah, it was something like he's that, got yeah. a fight. Whatever his last fight, I think he pulled out. And then, so who knows what his injury is or anything like that. But, I mean, that's definitely a fight that eventually we would love to have. Um, we'll see where he's at in another year, you know, in another, you know, we're looking at seven, eight months. We'll see where he's at, and you know, if he's still healthy or if he's just fought. Um, I know Rob's always really wanted to fight Cody Garbrandt. Um, that's another big name out there that I think would be an exciting fight for Rob. Um, but I, I think he's planning on still fighting a sunset once he gets healthy. So yeah, we'll see where he's at. But yeah, I mean, we'll have to see what the division looks like once Rob's cleared to fight. We'll see who's available because a lot of times, you know, you can say who you want to fight, but if they're booked or injured or, then you don't really have much of a, much of a say. We have a wish list, but you don't have a, you know, it's just not an option. Definitely. Now, uh, who, do want, guy. who do you want to see him fight? Who do you want? Um, to see him I want to see him. I want to see him fight uh, Munoz again. I feel like that well, so would be we, something that would catapult him. Yeah, we got offered that rematch and him and Munoz are like friendly like mm-hmm. Munoz's wife and, and Rob's girl like 
you know, we're all together in the Chicago when, uh, when Calvin fought and like, they're all cool. Like they hang out, but yeah, business is business. We would fight Muniz again in a heartbeat. We'd love to get that one back. Um, we were offered that fight in, um, last summer we were offered that fight and we accepted, but I guess Munoz it wasn't available or something. Um, but yeah, that, we would love that fight too. That'd be a great fight. Um, they can, they can go fight each other and then have a beer after. Or Dominic Cruz, if he comes back. Yeah, I think, I just don't know. Do they say Dominic Cruz? No, of course, and Hagen, I think he might be fighting Aljamain Sterling. But yeah, we'll see where Dominic's at. Yeah. That'd be a great fight, you know. Anyway, I think Rob's won two fights in a row, but he's had like a mm-hmm. year in between. You know, have a year after the last one, then have another year after this one. Um, I think at that point, he'll just be itching to fight whoever's available. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he's he's shown that he can win those big fights. Mm-hmm. He just strung two together. You know, Ricky Simone was two years ago. That would have been like a nightmare matchup for Rob because of the wrestling. And then, you know, he really filled that hole in the boat and, and worked on his wrestling. And he showed that like, okay, he got taken down, but he couldn't hold him down. He actually took Ricky down too. And, um, you know, he controlled pretty much that whole fight. And then he went with Sergio Pettis, the, you know, a year before that and put on a jab and wrestling clinic. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, right now there's not too many matchups that we're, we're concerned about, you know, now it's just a matter of like, what's our path to climbing the ladder. And, you know, cause Rob can be a bantamweight world champion. You know, we know that he just has to go out and win those big fights. Now, another guy, you know, on the roster, Andre Sukumtat, he was released by the UFC. He moved all the way across the country. Um, you know, were there, you know, before you guys signed to CES, were there talks with, you know, other organizations to get Andre on? Or did Andre want to go back to his roots, basically, and fight for CES? So Andre's always liked fighting for CES. They've always, like, taken care of him. They've always been really good to him. Uh, he was living out. So he lived in Florida, and then uh, he relocated to Seattle for a little bit. And then, for whatever reason, he ended up moving back home um, to Rhode Island. So after we took the CS fight is when he moved back home to Rhode Island. And then obviously the fight got canceled, but we had talked to, uh, Bellator and they, they had actually had like sent us a contract to fight on the, the, that 241 card. But then with the move coming and everything that was going down, it like, didn't make sense to fight that soon. So we thought it'd make sense to fight more, uh, in late April. So, we declined that offer and then we waited for the, uh, the CES card. So if it was, if it wasn't going to be, UFC, Bellator, or 1FC, then Andre's like, I'm fighting for CES. Because that's, mm-hmm. you know, that was his home pre-UFC, so he wanted to come back to them if it wasn't another uh, major organization. So, so is, you know, of course, those are the three main, but in, in Andre's mind, is it like, I need to work myself back up and get to the UFC again? Or is he comfortable just fighting wherever he's going to fight? I, I think it's a little bit of both. Like, he would love to mm-hmm. fight for a major organization, but obviously he would love to go back to the UFC if, it, if that was an option. So I think right now our, our focus is let's get back and let's, let's get two wins and, uh, and see where that puts us. Cause obviously the landscape changes drastically, um, you know, month over month, as you see, sometimes you hear they're not signing new guys for six months. And then two weeks later, they sign three guys for the same card that have never fought in the UFC. So, um, just a matter of getting back in the, in the cage, getting a couple wins and, um, and then seeing where the cards, you know, where the cards fall at that point, and see who's looking for what. So, uh, obviously, I think he's shown that he's a um, he's a top talent, and that you know he easily could have. The only fight that he, you know, he broke his finger in that his his last fight in China. He broke his finger right in the first round. It dislocated the whole fight. So that's kind of a weird fight. Uh, Montel Jackson beat him. You know, he he admits that. 
Montel Jackson one, but then his other losses that he had, they're all like split decisions. And they were more like, when you go back and watch the video, and me and Andre talked about this, there was like, the other kid didn't win. Andre lost, you know, it was just mental mistakes that he was making. And, um, you know, the Sean O'Malley fight, all he had to do was let the kid up. He probably wins that fight. And the uh, Alejandro Perez fight loses by split decision in Mexico City, but knocks him down three times with jabs, but never capitalized on it. So it was just, you know, and then his debut against Morales is winning the fight and then goes for a takedown in the third round and loses a really close decision. So I think, uh, you know, there's a couple of different decisions there and he's, he's sitting at, you know, probably only one loss in the UFC. So, um, but that's MMA, you know? So I think we just get, get him back to his home in CES in Rhode Island in front of a like, ton of fans and then um, get him a couple wins and see where we're at. Bantamweight, I feel like Bantamweight is the the most stacked across all the promotions. If you look at like even Ryzen and, and one championship and of course the UFC and Bellator is building their Bantamweight division also. It's an exciting time to actually be a Bantamweight more than any other division, I feel. Yeah, no, it's an exciting division. I think... Uh, It'd be interesting to see, um, you know, Pettis climb in Bellator now at 35. And then, you know, that'll give Rob confidence. You know, it'd be cool if Pettis goes, he's a nice kid, like, go over there, win that belt, and then Rob can say he's the uh, the Bellator Bantamweight champion too. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, definitely. Uh, All right, uh, Tyson, man, appreciate the time, man. Um, You know, it's always good chopping it up with you and and catching up and seeing what you're up to. Hopefully, uh, we'll, uh, the event, UFC 249, goes down no matter where it is. I know you guys are ready to get on a plane and, and get there. And uh, 